Craig. Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juice and the Numbers. I am your host, Joshua Tracy. And I'm not. I'm Corman Heller. And, uh, you know, we're going to be doing a little bit of Around the Horn style shit today. We're going to talk a little bit about the uh, upcoming World Series, which will be starting tomorrow evening between the Washington Nationals and the Houston Astros. And then we'll uh, touch on some football shit and, uh, you know, whatever else. Because fuck it. We'll do whatever. We do what we want. So... uh, First impressions just off the jump of this matchup between the Washington Nationals and the Houston Astros. I missed the first three words of that sentence. What are your first impressions of this matchup? This is going to be a pitching duel, and I can't wait to see it. Strasburg, Scherzer, Corbin, and then we got Cole, Verlander, and uh, Zach Rinke. This is fantastic. Yeah, I 100% am with you. That's going to be the story of this World Series. Um, In part, because both these pitching units are so fucking good. Oh, yeah. But also in part, because the Astros hitting got fairly well shut down by the Yankees, despite the fact that they actually won the series. And the Nationals hitting is a significantly weaker unit than the Astros is. Like but on, yeah. managed to succeed in spite of that. So it'll be interesting to see how the pitching, you know, it's always interesting to see how the pitching is going to uh, affect the hitting as the, the series continues. But it's going to be especially interesting here because um, how well the Nationals hitting managed to perform and how poorly the Astros hitting managed to perform um, in their respective series wins. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be interesting. So when is game one? It should be tomorrow night, speaking as this releases on Monday. So it should be Tuesday evening um, at around 7.30, I believe. I'm so thankful that they did it on a night without football. Yeah. Yeah, If I'm being honest, I really would struggle with that decision. Yeah, it made made better by the fact that Tuesday and Wednesday, um, games in Houston... And then Thursday off, so another day with Perfect. football, without baseball. But then it'll be um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday in Washington. So it It's almost a- as if uh, they planned this out accordingly. One would think. One would think that they've that uh, after a, you know a few dozen years or so, <laughs> they've uh, got. Yeah, they've done it once or twice. Yeah, that's happened. They've before. dabbled. So I would like to illustrate what I what I was just talking about, if I may, with Absolutely. some postseason batting stats. Oh, love it. So, again, we have mentioned when we did the um, the CS, the Championship Series previews, that postseason stats are obviously very um, brief. There's not a lot to go on, so all taken with a grain of salt. But if you want, you can think about this uh, to make yourself feel a little bit better. Is uh, One, are they hot right now? So you can treat it as a temporary stat for a temporary state of being. And two... How has this team performed against the best pitching in the postseason? Because if you made it to the postseason, you have really good pitching. Uh, or maybe best pitching in baseball. Because if you're good at baseball, you get to the postseason. However you want to think about it. So uh, let's, start with the, let's start with the Nationals, actually. Sure thing. So theirs is going to be a lot shorter because they swept their series. So they only played four games to the Astros' six. Um, but their slash line as a team, 274. 327, 415, good for an OPS of 741, which is... Not bad. 
it's the low end of okay i would say yeah it's one of those things where if a single player had that he could still be a good you know good piece for you as an entire team you know it's not ideal but it's you know not the end of the world Uh, right but going into the world series that's kind of real iffy i wish there was a easy way for me to remove in um baseball reference the pitchers stats because like the nationals are getting weighed down by the fact that like patrick corbin has a plate appearance um max scherzer has two plate appearances i mean well, max scherzer is a baseball hitting god yeah well you know for a pitcher he is um steven strasburg has a plate appearance like like there's a bunch of pitchers on on here anibal sanchez has four plate appearances and those all count towards their you know slash line and thus ops which is pretty unfortunate because it drags them down so i guess you can think of this as being a little bit higher than it actually is right now due to the fact that their pitchers are going to have at least a cumulative 10 plate appearances i want to say which might not sound like a lot but given how few um plate appearances we're actually talking about here ends up being kind of significant so yeah so that's the that's the nationals let's so let me tell you the astros and actually before we move on to the astros are there any injuries that we may need to uh worry about as far as going over their lineup not that i'm aware of so far as i know everyone's healthy especially given the fact that they've had so much rest seeing as you know they finished their series on tuesday of last week right um i was a while up real quick yeah but regardless, I haven't I haven't heard anything in in the um, uh, in nationals circles about anyone being anything less than a hundred percent. So in my mind, they should be good to go. Yeah. So last Tuesday was their last game. Wow, I was like not confident in that at all, and I'm very proud of myself. Seven full days between games is that's it's right in that area between a, the you know a real good amount of rest to come back and feel fresh and too much rest where you start you know building up a little rust and you're not quite i in i in an ideal situation to return yeah i never got the whole the whole rust comment because it's not like like the entirety of the nationals is just like sitting on their couches jerking off all day like Mm -hmm. they're still doing baseball shit i get they're not like playing a team but like they're still doing baseball shit yeah it's one of those things where like you usually just hear it in football because you know baseball you're playing so consistently that it never really is a big factor but if you look at let's say like uh you know the nfl playoffs when teams have bye weeks you're not playing for you know a little over two weeks that's that's a lot a lot of time to really not be out there playing in a full you know full speed game we'll see you know it's one of those things where no one really ever has any solid proof that it's a thing it's more of a psychological thing 100 percent. yeah we'll see if it does end up having any factor on this at all my genuine genuine belief is that like all right so the nationals finished their series on tuesday right which means that no one's had a reason to shit talk their performance since tuesday so you get into this, you know, Nationals Astros series and like you can find a reason to shit talk the Astros like, you know, they didn't hit well. Their DH hasn't shown up their, um Ryan Presley just got hurt. But like you can't say anything about the Nationals unless you want to go back a full week in time, which a week in sports time is a ways back. 
So what can you do? Oh, we well, you know they haven't played in a while. Like they're looking, they're probably going to be a bit rusty. I guess one would think, you know, like that's all, that's all they have. Right. It's a, it's a very sports talk radio <laughs> position. Colin Cowherd argument. Oh God, is it ever? That's a, <laughs> Hey, if they get bored, uh, you know, MLB the show right now, 2019 is free on PlayStation Plus. So I, I would plenty of that. I would much rather like they just talk about like they're out of the park simulations <laughs> than um, <laughs> talk about this bullshit. I feel like that's something the Phillies did last year when they got into all that fire for playing all that heat for playing video games in the clubhouse, like during games, just like, oh, yeah, this is how we're going to scout this team for next week. We're going to play against him and MLB the show. That's why they drafted Bryce Harper. He did really well. <laughs> Not drafted, signed. Um, he actually right. is the cover of that game. Yeah, I know. Oh, wow, we're so smart. We're, yeah, we, we really figured it out here, didn't we? <laughs> All right, so the Astros batting. As, a, as is just a, a reminder for the Nationals batting line, it was uh, 274, 327, 415 for an OPS of 741. The Astros, 179, 281 318 good for a 600 ops yikes yikes is right talk about boomer bust in that uh alcs like they just it's not so honestly especially with how well they were coming into this as a yankees fan that was a really frustrating series to watch because the yankees hit not great but so much better than the astros but the problem is, like, they get, like, I was talking to my dad about it. Like, they seem to get bases loaded every single game at least once and then do nothing with it. Like, their their hits were consistent but ill-timed, whereas the Astros' hits were infrequent but grouped well. Right. So right, it right. seemed like every time they had runners in a dangerous position, the runners scored. Hmm. But outside of that, they were just, like, Jordan Alvarez. All right, Jordan Alvarez for the regular season had a batting average of 313 and an OPS of 1067, which, which is has, insane for a rookie coming in halfway through the season. I believe he led all of baseball in um, OPS at the start of his, um, uh, as of when he got called up. 100%. Like, I am fully with you on that. I believe that's, that's what happened. He I will back has, that statistic completely. He has a batting average right now. Do you want to guess? It's got to be below the Mendoza line. Give me, um, give me a guess. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go really um, uh, liberal here and say that it was like 90, super low, 45. Holy fucking shit! He got, and I'm not kidding, <laughs> one hit in the entire ALCS. Holy shit! He got bad. pulled from Game Six. God, he was like their best offensive weapon for most of the season. And yep, I mean, he played so for the He's hitting worse than I did in Little League, and I never played Little League. So <laughs> for the ALCS, he has six six games, twenty-two at bats. He scored one run. He got one hit, zero RBIs, zero doubles, zero triples, zero home runs, two walks, twelve strikeouts, which led his team. So at least he was able to lead the team in something. So he had a 0.45 batting average, a 125 on base, a 0.45 slugging for a 170 OPS. You know, if you really 
like squint at those OPSs, they almost look similar to his uh, regular season in ALCS line. And then you just realize that the decimal point's in the wrong place. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, Alex Bregman was quiet but patient, if that makes sense. So he has he ended up with a 167 batting average, but a 423 on base because it took a lot of walks. Um, Which isn't a bad thing, you know. No, matching an average like that with a a very good uh, on base percentage. Yeah, you'll take that. Jose Altuve, obviously, he won the ALCS MVP. He obviously. Uh, had a great series. He finished with a 1097 OPS, which by far led the team. Um, second after that was Carlos Correa, though, with a 780. So a 300-point difference yes. between the two. And um, around him, Michael Brantley with a 712. But then after that, it's all in the 600s. Then after that, there's n- got Josh Reddick in the 500s yes. and Kyle Tucker. Uh, like, Josh Reddick... Josh Reddick, who's usually like a defensive replacement, uh, finished the season the series with a higher OPS than Yuli Gurriel. Really? Yeah. Yikes! What was Gurriel's line? Yikes! Huh? What was uh, Gurriel's line? Gurriel's batting line was one twenty five, one fifty four, two fifty, good for a four oh four OPS. <laughs> Just barely getting over four hundred. Uh, so uh, there's also this stat that Baseball Reference has, and I'm rather certain other places have it as well, as goes the way for a lot of these um, baseball stats, called win probability added, uh, which is exactly how it sounds. A positive number means that you provided, um, uh, I don't know, value for your team in, in respect to winning the game or the series or what have you. I think this is strictly for um, on a game-to-game basis. Um, so it accumulates a negative value means that you have detrimented your offense in some or your team in some way, preventing them from winning more games. So the team leader in win probability out was again Jose Altuve, seven seventy eight. It's it's shown up as zero point seven eight, but you know seventy eight, which is really fucking high. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. The second place was Carlos Correa, thirty three, less than half. Ooh. Third place was George Springer. 13 Holy less shit. than half those are the only three players on offense that finished above zero holy shit yeah josh reddick negative one Ledmus ds negative two martin maldonado and jake marizic negative six kyle tucker negative seven michael brantley negative 10 alex bregman negative 11 Robinson Chirinos, negative 29. Yuli Gurriel, negative 31. And Jordan Alvarez, the worst player on the team, negative 55. Negative 55. So Jordan Alvarez was a bigger detriment than Carlos Correa was a help in this series. Which is absolutely insane. Nuts. Um, I know we talked these guys up a lot uh, when we did the... uh, conference series or championship series preview um i actually don't know what the c and alcs stands for nlcs stands for championship series yeah okay um do you think it's going to be a lot closer than we thought back then because we were saying whoever wins the alcs is going to absolutely demolish whoever ends up winning out of the national league do you still think that holds true or do you think this is going to be a very uh close matchup I'm so glad you asked this question because this is this is what kind of what I was building towards. 
I don't know anymore. Um, and that's not to say my view of the Astros has like deteriorated because the thing about these numbers is that they're still so readily changed. Like you got to think that if Jordan Alvarez was able to squeak out like two more hits, his numbers would still be bad, but they wouldn't be this bad. You know, like he would have um, uh, uh, basically about Yuli Gurriel's batting line instead, which again, not great, but a lot better. So that's kind of the 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 thing that that goes hand in hand with these small sample sizes. So in respect to their ability to win, I still think that they are more than capable of doing so. They still have a great pitching unit, which we can get to in a second. Um, but you know, you could make if I'm the Astros fan, I can make the argument that well, our guys didn't bat super hot because the Yankees have a really deep bullpen and they were able to match up really, really well. Whereas the Nationals do not have a great bullpen and are going to have to lean very hard on their starting pitching, which is very good. But if you can survive long enough to get to the bullpen, well, maybe we can do damage there because after Daniel Hudson and Sean Doolittle, who is in that bullpen, which is a fair point. However, this series did make them look a lot more vulnerable than they've ever looked throughout the course of this year. Um, I've never seen them look. And again, I'm going to say this bad. And that doesn't mean that they played bad, but they did not look Mm -hmm. as bad as they played at any point during the season. And that vulnerability. If I was a Nationals fan, I'd feel I wouldn't feel great. I would not feel great, but I would feel like I had a shot. It's one of those things where they're in a slump. We can all see that they're in a slump, but we know the talent's still there. So it's one of those things where these guys could snap out of this today and be ready to go back where they were being juggernauts, you know, first thing on Tuesday when they uh, throw out the first pitch. Um, So I don't want to say just because one team's hot and the other's not that, oh, the Nationals are now going to come away and, you know, beat them in five, six games, whatever it may be. Um, But it's definitely a huge factor. Uh, Don't get me wrong, but um, I'm not ready to give up on the Astros just because uh, they've been playing a little poorly. Yeah, certainly not. Especially when it's the Yankees. You know, they played poorly against, okay, arguably the best team in baseball. Right. Team team 1A and 1B, however you want to swing. Exactly, yeah. Just just for reference, uh, Washington Nationals batting win probability added. Who do you think led this category? Um, for the Nationals? For the Nationals. I'm going to play it safe here and probably just go with Rendon. So Anthony Rendon was fourth. Um, he had uh, 11. Is it, it was, Scherzer? Uh, only, this is only batting. <laughs> only batting. Well, I mean, um, he had, the, you know, like what? One batting appearance? Max Scherzer one play uh, play. finished with negative five when probability added from his batting. All right, so I have a strong feeling that it's not going to be Scherzer. It's not Scherzer. It's Adam Eaton. Really? Really, with 26. I wasn't hearing a lot of buzz about him. No. Yeah, Adam Eaton. Uh, not that like anything here is eye-popping. Right. He must have... There must be something in there um, based on like maybe his defense or his the timeliness of his hitting. Because so Adam Eaton leads leads this by like a fair amount with a 235, 278, 471 batting line for a 748 OPS. 
but second place behind him is Jan Gomes and Howie Kendrick. They're tied. But uh, Jan Gomes's line is 425, 500, 571 with a 1071 OPS. So this is very clearly the best he has played since the start of the season. Yes, but also, <laughs> oh, I guess maybe it's because Adam Eaton has more. Adam Eaton has more at bats, so he has more things. Right, All right, that right, makes right. that makes more sense. Okay, yeah, Adam Eaton has seventeen at bats to Jan Gomes's seven, so he has, yeah, wow, seven at bats, and he's still second on the team. That's yeah, incredible. tied with Howie Kendrick. Yeah, Jan Gomes killing it right now, especially since Howie Kendrick went off this series. Yeah, very much so, and his ten twelve OPS. Real quick, who do you think had the worst win probability added on the Nationals? Um, on the Nationals? Yeah, for batting, again, just for um, batting. Uh, Ryan Zimmerman, I don't know. Uh, no, Ryan Zimmerman kind of like... Actually, can I, can I change it to uh, Victor Robles? Victor, Victor Robles is actually fifth on the team. All right, <laughs> well, fuck added. me. All right, never mind. Yeah, um... It's Juan Soto. That makes me sad. Yeah, negative 22, which is worse on the team. His batting line for the um, NLCS, 188, 235, 250 for a 485 OPS. That is not great. But this also, I think, feeds into what we were just saying about the Astros. Juan Soto is a great baseball player. Like, if you told me he would... He would turn this around in the World Series to go hit 400, 500, 600 for an 1100 OPS. I'd be like, yeah, okay. I mean, it's Juan fucking Soto. Like, sure. Honestly, like, if I didn't pick Rendon, Soto would have been the guy that I guessed was having a, you know, the best series on the Nationals. Just that's how good he is. Um, and his eye and plate uh, patience behind the plate, at, at the plate. Um, is so good. He's one of those guys where I expect him to drop out of this funk almost immediately. Very much so. Very much so. So let's talk about pitching a little bit. Sure, sure, sure. All right, let me ask a very uh, just generic question. What do you think the Nationals team ERA was? Um, You can give me a range. Probably whatever you like you. team ERA. I want to say it's going to be between like two and a half and three. Even lower, 1.25. Fuck me up. I didn't realize they shut him down that much. Only two players allowed any runs. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Sean Doolittle, who allowed one, and Patrick Corbin, who allowed four. Mm -hmm. And those are the only two people who allowed Daniel Hudson, zero. Tanner Rainey, zero. Fernando Rodney, zero. Annabelle Sanchez, zero. Max Scherzer, zero. Steven Strasburg, zero. Just a note on that, Carlos, or uh, yeah, Carlos Martinez just had uh, shoulder surgery today. Oh, shoulder so you, you, wouldn't, you think he was, he was pitching hurt? I think so, yeah. That would make a lot of sense. Let me, uh, let me pull it up just to make sure, but yeah, I'm fairly certain it was shoulder surgery. Man, I can't say SHs, apparently. And see, this is the kind of shit, that's why people like to get mad about like players not playing in big games but like i'm willing to bet that if cardinals fans knew that like a like you know three weeks ago they would much have preferred carlos martinez just not play instead of giving away games that they should have won not that i think that happened against the nationals it's certainly happening against the braves but i'm not sure that happened against the nationals but you'd rather have your players healthy 
and I'm talking to all Yankees fans who gave shit to Giancarlo Stan for not playing while clearly injured. Yeah, he had a cleanup procedure on his right shoulder. Yeah, and I probably kept it quiet, tried to battle through it, and then once they lost the series, um, not in, not due to him, but still lost the series, he was probably like, uh, my, my shoulder hurts a little bit. Can I get it looked at? And they're like, yeah, you dumb fuck. You should have had surgery like three weeks ago, four weeks ago. You've seen Caddyshack, right? Yeah. When Rodney Dangerfield is just uh, faking that elbow injury. Oh, my arm. Oh, my, oh, my arm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I want to rewatch that movie so bad. Oh, it's such a good movie. Anything Rodney Dangerfield. Um, what do you think the Houston Astros team ERA was? A uh, little worse. Uh, I'll probably say three and a half. I don't know. Damn near on the money. 3.44. Woo. That's a huge difference. Um, yeah. What was it during the regular season? Could you look that up? Actually, I can look. That I up actually now. have it right here. It was three point six six two. So actually better. Uh, yes, actually better. Although over you know significantly pra- fewer innings. Yeah, and in practice, you know, ALCS, it's probably not ideal that you want to have it mixed in with a bunch of blowout losses. Yeah, they so. only have three pitchers who allowed no runs oh this should change actually because oh no never mind i'm looking at the wrong pitcher um garrett cole will harris and hector rundone are the only three pitchers of the houston astros throughout there that did not allow runs which is crazy considering the fact that they just played a bullpen game and still didn't have um are still missing players to uh, still have this many players right that that allowed earned so their earned runs uh, Justin Verlander let up six. That leads the team. Zach Greinke let up four. Brian Abreu, two. Josh James, two. Roberto Osuna, two. Ryan Presley, two. Brad Peacock, one. Joe Smith, one. And Jose Urquidy, one. For a team ERA of 3.44. It's funny how uh, it's so much worse when you look at the Astros than when you look at the Nationals, but then you realize that the Nationals played the Cardinals and the Astros played the Yankees. Yeah, and like the Astros starting pitchers played two games, and all of the national starting pitchers played one game. Yeah, so well, there's a huge look innings difference this. here. Um, the uh, the Astros pitched 55 innings, and the Nationals pitched 36 innings. Ooh, big fucking difference. Yeah, it's huge. Um, let's look at a few other things. Ooh, this is a uh, oh no, I was looking at regular season stats. Uh, Astros team whip. 1.2. Um, Very good. Oh, wow. The Nationals team whip. 0. 0.639. Holy fucking shit. Holy shit. 1.2 is very good. 0. 0.69 is insane. Unfucking real. Unfucking real. Um, the Nationals allowed seven walks on 48 strikeouts, which is enormous. Uh, uh, that's just beautiful. The uh, Astros allowed 22 walks on 64 strikeouts, so not as great. It's a lot of walks. That is a lot. Only one player on the Astros uh, pitching staff did not allow a single walk, and that was Hector Rondon, who pitched. Oh, Hector Rondon, by the way, who pitched 0.1 innings, so he shouldn't count. He um, should not count. But yeah, so yeah do you think he's bragging about that in the clubhouse today like oh look at you guys letting up runs here i am fucking superstar <laughs> i don't Where's think he is Garrett but Cole i really wish guys? he was 
I really wish Hector Rondo was going with the JV. Come on. Just like, hey, Justin Verlander, what's your what's your strikeout to walk ratio? Because mine's non-existent. <laughs> <laughs> suck my bowels, Mr. Gowson. Yeah, suck my dick from the back. I don't even know how that would work. Uh, you got to get in doggy. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, all of you fans, I am sorry for that. Any any other um. Any any other stats you want to hear about the these two matchups and uh, any uh, impressions that have changed as a result of these these numbers? Do you want to uh, do you want to do predictions then? Um, sure, but I want you to start. <laughs> okay. Um, I think that the Astros are going to win this in seven games, and I'll predict that the MVP is going to be Garakol. So unfortunately, I think you're right, and I say unfortunately because I want to root for the Nationals. I have no ill will against the Astros. It's just like, hey, the Nationals haven't ever been here, so like, I agree. Let's go for it. Yeah, like I want the Nationals to win really bad. It'd be so cool, especially because like then Max Scherzer would have a ring, and like at this point in his career, age-wise, like I want him to have a ring. Mm Mm-hmm. And honestly, you know, like Houston didn't get slammed with the hurricane this year, so it's not like they need another championship, you know? Yeah, what do they have to live for? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, come on. The Nationals have what? A consistent fire. Actually, let's not go there. Politics are not necessary for a sports podcast. Not necessarily. So we can cut that out. Here, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to look up real quick, like, what the... what. Is, the pitching matchup should be. You see if that's I doubt that's out yet, but there should be like predictions based on just use and whatnot. I have to imagine there is. Um all right, so game one, they're saying it would be Scherzer versus Justin Verlander. Naturally. That's kind of a push. Mm-hmm. Uh game two. Oh, this isn't no, never mind. This must be something completely different because now I it's mean, saying Masahiro Tanaka against Steven Strasburg and Tanaka is not in the World Series, so I don't understand what this is all about. I think um, we could safely assume that it's going to end up being Strasburg versus Cole and then yeah. Ricky versus Corbin. Yep, and then game and then after four. That, who cares? Game four would probably be... Well, the game four would be interesting because it would probably be an Astros bullpen game against Anibal Sanchez. And then... Game five would be just, you know, game one again. Game six would be game two, game seven, right, game three. Right. Um, so, so I think I would actually give, I would say the Grinky-Corbin matchup and the Verlander-Scherzer matchup is kind of, their pushes, I would say. And I would say the Cole-Strasburg and then the Astros bullpen game would get, I would favor the Astros in those games. I think if I if I'm forced to take sides and not not give out a push because you know why not force myself to make a decision here since I can't I don't <laughs> want to flip flop game one between Verlander and Scherzer I'd actually give to Scherzer just if because Verlander's pick, been agree. home run prone this season mm-hmm. and Scherzer's um, if he's pitching in the World Series he's going to be a fucking animal I can't I can't wait to see it honestly I'm so fucking oh, excited God. to see Scherzer in the I will series. make sure I am able to watch that game one he's going to throw 200 pitches in one game and I'm going to be here for it Josh that's on Tuesday night when we're supposed to record you're damn right it is we could do something there 
something could be happening. We might have to talk after the podcast and figure out uh, what we want to do with that information. <laughs> that's fair. That's very fair. Um, Wednesday would be uh, Cole against Strasburg. And it's a weird matchup because you want to pick Cole off the bat because mm-hmm. he hasn't allowed. He's allowed one run in five, four, four starts so far this postseason, which is unfucking real with, with the amount of in, in, in innings he's, he's pitched. But on the other hand, Strasburg's been ridiculous. Yeah, um, he's been very much under the radar as so, much as you can be pitching in the NLCS. Yeah, in part because Cole's just been unreal. So mm-hmm. I I want to pick Cole, but I I don't feel great about it. I'm gonna. But it's, I'm gonna it's closer than you would think on the on the uh, surface. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So I'll 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 give it to Cole, but I don't feel great about it. Um, game three would be Granky against um, Corbin. I'll give that one to Corbin because I, I have not been impressed by the way Granky's pitched this postseason, which can change. Of course, it can change. He doesn't typically play well against the Yankees, but whatever. That doesn't mean anything. Um, but I, I'm going to give it to Corbin. The bullpen game versus Anibal Sanchez, I'm actually going to give it to Anibal Sanchez because That's fair. shockingly, he's around now. And plus, Scherzer will be available to pitch out of the bullpen, uh, as it'll be his throw day. So that's three to one. And then if you tell me that out of the next three games, the Nationals just need to win one of them, including a Scherzer start and a Strasburg start, I'll I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Nationals in six. Wow. Wild. Yeah. I don't disagree with any of your talking points, but that does seem wild to look at. Oh, hundred percent a bold claim uh but i i want them to win and i'm going to speak it into existence nationals in six <laughs> speak it into existence i'm all aboard speak that truth uh all right man so you uh you want to talk a little college football yeah yeah tell me about how wisconsin fucked it all up um so i was unable to watch the game yesterday because i was uh tailgating yeah, I was inebriated, if you uh, want to put it in those terms. Um, it, it was, I really want to go back this week and actually be able to watch this game from start to finish. Um, they'll have it on YouTube if anyone else wants to check that out. But just looking at the box score, I really don't know what went wrong with Wisconsin offensively. Um, I mean, their quarterback, Jack Cohn, was crazy efficient 24 for 32 264 uh, for yards touchdown and a pick is what it is uh jonathan taylor still had himself a good day 28 carries 132 yards and a touchdown you know you'd like to see more than the 4.7 average against illinois but at the same time that's not really hurting your team all that much and then illinois quarterback went nine of 21 for 174 yards had two tds but that's a 40.8 qbr Um, so i mean their running game in total 144 yards and a touch or 141 yards excuse me you know there was two fumbles for wisconsin and a pick three turnovers there um you know illinois only had one turnover I don't know what happened. I, I hate that I wasn't able to watch this game live because I just, I got to know how this went down. Um, 
some Wisconsin players um, and the coach afterwards were like, look, we just, we just let them outplay us. And I don't know how you can let that happen when you're Wisconsin. I mean, it's Illinois. Um, surely part of this was most likely them looking past the fact that they just have Illinois and they were two and four coming into this game. Um, but this was, this was something Wisconsin still has yet to trail at any point this season. Um, they lost on a time that they trailed for the whole year, right? I'm sorry. When they lost, like that was the only time they had like not been winning a game the whole season. They uh, kicked the game-winning field goal with zeros on the clock, so technically Wisconsin has yet to trail in a game. I mean, obviously they lost, so they lost after the game, but it's it's something where Wisconsin's going to drop pretty far for this, um, probably out of the top 10. Um, going to be like right there at like 10, 11, 12. But I still think that they have uh, an outside shot of coming back really giving Ohio State or Penn State something in the uh, Big Ten championship game and then uh, still causing a bit of a ruckus for the uh, college football playoff committee trying to figure out where to put them at the end of the season. Yeah, I was going to ask. They were, so, wait, they were ranked sixth? Yes. So how far do you think they fall after this? Uh, the 10, 11, 12 range, I think. Wow, that's um, that's big, right? If we go back, if I can pull up the rankings real quick, uh, I don't know. I don't think any other major teams lost. Um, just Wisconsin lost in the top 13. Um, so at the very worst, they could fall to 14, but there's no way that happens. Um, so I think they fall in the 10, 11, 12 range. That'll put them behind Georgia and Florida but ahead of the Auburn, Oregon, Utahs, that kind of stuff. So um, I definitely see them moving back up the rankings soon, though. Wow. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. So you want to talk about the whiteout for a little bit? Um, yeah, lay it on me. Actually, actually, there's another game we could talk about. Um, there was a six-overtime game this uh, six? past night. A six-overtime game. That's too many. Um, yeah, it was UNC versus. God damn, I already lost it. UNC, who did they play? I'm ill prepared for this. I apologize. <laughs> um. So yeah. Uh. Basically, six overtime games. The way college football overtime works is each team gets a possession on the twenty twenty five yard line, and then uh, they base basically rotate back and forth, and whoever has the higher score at the end of, you know, both teams' offensive possession wins. If they keep going and are both able to score, then you just keep on going. After four overtimes, uh, every team has to go for two points after a touchdown, um, which is exciting. So Virginia Tech wins in six overtimes versus North Carolina as North Carolina fails their two-point conversion. Um Again, this is one of those games where I really wish I could see this live because, my God, that must have been exciting to watch. Um, I was able to see one Penn State game go into four overtimes against Michigan a couple years ago, uh, and that was likely the most stressed I've ever been in my life, just you know, for certain obvious reasons. So 
that must have been a great game to watch. But again, it's Virginia Tech and UNC, so this really has no major effect on the polls in any way. Uh, do you think that is a great game to watch, though? Like, if you're a fan? If you're a fan of one of those two teams, it's heart-wrenching and stressful, and I wouldn't wish it on my... I would wish it on my worst enemy, but you get the gist. Uh, as someone who's a fan of really good college football and exciting games, who really doesn't care who wins between those two, that would have been an amazing game to watch. Yeah, because I think I think you're right. I think if you're a, if you're a, a casual <laughs> observer, it'd be great. Because I think if it was like a fan, like imagine you're a UNC fan, you know, like you're watching uh-huh. it. You had all your friends come over, and you're like, "No, oh, we'll stay for the game." And then it's like it's getting late, and like your friends like. Man, I gotta go, and you're like, no, like the game's gonna end soon. Like, it can't go to double overtime, you know. And then it does, and it's like, no, like we'll get another pizza. Like, it can't go to triple overtime. And it does. <laughs> Just keep doing that until, before you know it, the game's five hours, six hours long, and everyone hates you. I would be pulling my hair out. Yeah. Right. So let's get into this whiteout. Um, it started out great. Penn State went up big with the offense and defense just churning. Um, went up 21 um, nothing early in the second quarter. Uh, probably about halfway through the second quarter. Penn State's defense and the crowd were just amazing. Um, if you haven't been to a whiteout, I highly recommend at some point in your life making it to one. It's just one of those things that should be on every you know, college football fan's bucket list. Like It's just an experience. You really just can't describe it well with words until you're there um but it was great you know the crowd was able to force michigan to call a timeout on the first play of the game uh two false starts early on uh it was really great kind of died down a bit once uh penn state's offense just stopped clicking the way they were early on um and michigan was able to work some magic with a lot of screen plays and they really were able to tack underneath the uh top of the zone defense uh penn state was playing a lot of cover too um, so they were able to come back uh somewhat well i will say penn state has really shown an ability to game plan extremely well coming into games um they've just been super hot coming out of the gates and then have shown no ability to make in-game adjustments it's it's maddening um just watching them try to do the same things over and over again not really change up uh, what they're doing to match how uh, the opposing team is changing their stuff. Um, and it's tough. It leads to much closer games than they should be. Um, but hey, a win's a win. It was a really great game. It was nice seeing Penn State able to close out a close game against a really tough opponent. Um, overall, 11 out of 10 would do again. Oh, I'm I'm glad it ended up going all right. Um, yeah, I mean, Shea Patterson looked really, uh, good for once. I mean, he had a tough game against Wisconsin, um, which clearly was, you know, a fluke because Wisconsin actually isn't that good because they lost to was, uh, Illinois, obviously. Um, but yeah, it was a great game. Uh, for those of you who did see it, let me know, uh, what you saw, what you liked, if you can, because I like talking about Penn State football, so suck it. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of who you are. That's true. Um, anything else you want to talk about with college football at all? Nothing with college football yet. I'm gonna, I'm one of the days. I'm gonna bring something up, and I can feel it happening. Soon. 
One of these days, Alice. One of these days. One of these days. Um, I would like to talk about something that we don't usually talk about. Absolutely. Marathon running. Okay. I th- because the world record just got broken. Yes, I did see this. And I th- think there actually are some caveats with it where like it is a world record, but at the same time, I think people are like, but nah. Uh, I haven't heard any of that. Not to say it's not true, but I just haven't heard any of it. Um, but as of right now, I'm going to butcher this name. Uh, Iliud <laughs> Kipchoge uh, ran the, a full 26.2 mile marathon in one hour, 59 minutes and 40 seconds. Uh, fastest ever and the first marathon ever run under two hours. Which is insane. How old do you think he is? Uh, Probably like 26. 34. Holy shit, what? 34. That's like Matthew Stafford or somebody running a marathon at their age. I mean, granted, the body type of a world-class marathon runner and Matthew Stafford is a little different, but I mean, that's how I can only like, I don't. This dude's two I'm not years 34. older than Yankees pitcher Jay Happ. <laughs> you mean Jaw Happ? Jaw Happ. Jaw Happ. Dot, Happ. Dot. Um, dot, and he ran a full-ass marathon in the fastest time that's ever. Insane. So that averages out to over the course of this marathon, him running for two hours, uh, just about. You know, I know 20 seconds under, but for rounding purposes, two hours at 13.1 miles per hour. I don't think I could run 13 miles per hour if I walked outside right now, put on a pair of shoes, and tried sprinting down the road. I think you could I think you could top out around there. I've done it on a treadmill. It fucking sucks. But, you know, I think the thing is, though, I think if you ask me to hit it, I could hit it. I think if you ask me to sustain it, I would fail <laughs> for twenty six point two miles. No way. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, if if you and I went outside with like a you know a radar gun and like an hour on our hands to like warm, stretch up, you know, like get ready, loosen up, do a few practice laps, and then like try to gun it, like I think we could both do it for for a, like a ten feet, you know, <laughs> maybe. Um, for for twenty six for for two hours. It's, it's fucking insane. Like, as someone who's never done anything like that, like, I've never been a distance runner. I've never been a sprinter. I can't even fathom being able to run that fast, that consistently. And by the end of it, like, I watched the end of the race. He looked fine. He was cheering on with fans. Like, he was just, like, doing his thing. Wasn't really super concerned about time because he knew he was going to make it under two hours. It was wild. They are just on a whole nother level. I, I know I, I I I can't even process it in in my 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 mind because like even when I ran back in high school for like sports and shit like I uh, it's just so for, for just to put it in perspective because I think most people more more of us are familiar with our mile times you know because mm-hmm. that's something you had to do in high school or yeah. you know even if you played sports in college like you know mile time is pretty uh, a little bit more universal. That is a 435 mile time for 26.2 miles. <laughs> Could you get anywhere close to a 438 mile time if we gave you like 
six months maybe to do it do you think you could get under a 438 no my and i know that for a fact because when i played sports in high school back when i weighed like 150 pounds like was real skinny and was running a mile every single day for practice the fastest mile time i ever had was 525 yeah that was me like fucking sprinting that shit uh i think the best i ever did was like 559 like i if you saw a six foot eight hundred and three pounds you know 16 year old kid running around uh you definitely would not think i had any sort of speed whatsoever so and didn't it feel like you were sprinting the whole way through oh absolutely i was dog tired when i was done with it oh yeah and could you imagine shaving off another minute and a half (laughs) and then doing it 26 times plus a little extra (laughs) in a row yeah dude it's just that's just one of those those freak physical traits that uh i mean i i I just can't imagine having that ability you know (laughs) it's like like as hard as it looks to hit a baseball and as hard Mm -hmm. as it looks to like throw a football in like a game as hard as it looks to like throw a, a free throw you can still like go to a batting cage and like play catch with your friends and like go shoot free throws on the court like you can give yourself a context for it but like you can't just like go run a four minute mile. Like you can't just like go put yourself in the in that position. Like you watch football on Sundays or on Saturdays, and like a quarterback will make a bad throw, and your first thought is, "Well, fuck, I could do that better." Granted, you probably couldn't do that too much better, but you could throw a football, and you could have that confidence in yourself to do it. I couldn't even begin to you know be on that level with this. So. God, no. It's just so fucking impressive. So the reason why this isn't, um, why people are like, well, it's, it's got some asterisks with it. So it wasn't an official marathon. It was marathon. It was a, a closed course. Um, and he used 43 pace runners throughout the race uh, to basically aid him in knowing how fast he needed to physically run in order to break the time. So... While he physically was able to run a marathon in under two hours, which is the first time it's done, I don't know if it's something that, uh, like, looking back, they're going to have as being, like, the official fastest marathon run ever. That seems pretty ticky-tacky, though, don't you think? It does, but I also have to admit, I have absolutely no idea how marathons work, so I can't really argue that I know how it should be done. You know, you ever, um, you ever, uh, heard anything or read anything about like ultra marathon runners? I've heard they existed, but I don't know if I believe that they actually do. I got, I got to get Matt on the show to talk to you about that shit because yeah, dude, that shit that they do. He doesn't do it. He just knows a lot about it. Mm -hmm. Fucking nuts. He read this one dude's book. It's a pretty famous book. I can't think of what the author's name is, but he describes running down the highway. Um, holding in one hand holding four boxes of pizza like four pies with like four cups of coffee stacked on top and like donuts and all this shit and he'd just run down the highway like drinking coffee and eating pizza and like shoving calories down his face while running what the fuck like falling asleep while running and waking up running what yeah like just crazy shit i gotta get mad and talk because like he'll talk to me about that shit and i'll be like i just it sounds uh, like a bad movie. It sounds like a bad Forrest Gump style movie. We definitely need to have a podcast about ultra marathons now. 
yeah yeah it's fucking nuts um let's close out with a little bit of nfl talk and then yeah we'll just we'll just wrap it up patrick mahomes got hurt yeah that's really bad that's uh not ideal it, it, it they're saying it should be the minimum though like you know three weeks and he should be all good as i said it was best case scenario yeah absolutely um it just sucks when you know the face of the nfl right now and uh best quarterback all these accolades is unable to play um it's one of those things where you want to always see the best product on the field every sunday and not having him there is shitty you know, um who's their who's their backup matt moore matt moore yeah so, jesus bench your tyree kills <laughs> you know i saw his face on the broadcast before i realized that he was their backup and i was like holy shit I thought he left the league. Right? It's like Matt Moore, like, isn't he like an old like San Francisco Giants pitcher? Like, is that still an NFL quarterback? Is he still a thing? I was like, yeah, I haven't seen him since he started that one playoff game for the Dolphins. Oh god, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, I guess oh. the Steelers, right? I don't want to talk about it. Oh, I don't remember. Game? I actually I don't they, remember. I'm pretty sure they lost that game. Yeah, I honestly have no idea. It's All right, so long the, ago. the Chiefs' next three games are Packers, uh, which will have been played out by the time this episode airs, Vikings, and Titans. And then after that, it's the Chargers and the Raiders. So, But in theory, Mahomes should be back for the Chargers and the Raiders. Um, so how do you feel about their chances against the Packers, Vikings, and Titans? Uh, Packers, Vikings, and Titans. I think they're going to end up losing those first two games. I think they'll be able to beat the Titans. Um, again, my confidence is iffy, um, but I feel like the rest of that team and the rest of that offense is probably going to be able to keep them in games to a degree, um, but I think they're just going to be treading water until Pat Mahomes returns. Yeah, I think so too. I, th- I think uh, they're definitely not going 3-0. and I could see a situation in which they beat the vikings because the vikings offense has just been so bad um but i wouldn't bank on that so yeah i i think treading water is the perfect the perfect words to describe how i'd feel about the uh the chiefs for these next few games oh well yeah hopefully uh he comes back quick is able to get back to where he was and get the chiefs back in that playoff hunt um, AJ Green is not expected to return until after the trade deadline, but he's also on a team that doesn't matter, so I don't think this matters. Yeah, uh, I heard that there was a bunch of trade rumors about him going to either the Eagles or honestly, I want to say it was the Patriots just because Why not? they always seem to be in trade uh, talks with everyone. Um, I don't know how I'd feel about that. I'd actually really love to see him on the Eagles. Um, having him play with a real quarterback for once in his career would be exciting, uh, even if it is in those twilight years. Um, Imagine he goes to the Bears and then Mitch Trubisky just wastes Allen Robinson and A.J. Green's careers. Please no. Uh, I did see something about the Bears today where um, Danny Trevathan's grandmother, I believe, had never seen him play at Soldier Field, and she was battling cancer. So Matt Nagy brought her out on the practice field and surprised Danny Trevathan and the team with having her there and saying that she was going to be at the game this weekend. So 
That was well, that's super cool. cool. Yeah, I like Matt Nagy, and that was a that was a super classy move. Very classy. Great, great for everyone involved. Yeah, seriously, that's literally there is no ill effect of this. Yeah. Way to go! All right, yeah, that's that's a fucking class A move, there, my friend. Now, if only you could figure out how to make Mitch Trubisky work. <sighs> We've been wondering that for years. All right, <laughs> one last thing, and then we'll go. Um, have you heard about the Netflix show uh, Living with Yourself? Living with Yourself? Living with Yourself. No. So the premise, of, and this all makes sense in a moment. The premise of this show is Paul Rudd goes to a quote-unquote massage parlor because he's like he's down on his luck. He doesn't like his job that much. His relationship with his wife isn't that great. And one of his coworkers at his job told him, like, hey, this massage parlor is, like, amazing. Like, they do, like, this whole full body thing. You come out feeling, like, the best you've ever felt. Like, might be good for you to, you know, treat yourself to something. He was like, all right. So he goes to this thing and, you know, has this great massage, comes out feeling refreshed. But it turns out what happened was it's not so much a massage parlor as it is a cloning place. And uh, Paul Rudd ends up with a clone of himself because um, OG Paul Rudd was supposed to die, but he lived through the the killing process. So now clone Paul Rudd and um, so they, real Paul Rudd are both they just make you feel better by literally just making new you that's not, you know, broken and dead inside. Yeah, basically. It's actually a really good show. Is this a real thing? No. No, that's a shame. Yeah. Is it a show or a movie? It's a show. It's a actually. Okay. I watched the whole thing. It's a really good show. That's pretty um, cool. I did actually hear about this. I watched. Uh, he was on Hot Ones. Uh, yeah, a show with hot questions and even hotter wings, and uh, <laughs> it actually looked pretty funny. So um, I probably will give that a shot for sure. It's, it's actually pretty serious. It is funny. Really? It, uh, it is funny. Yeah, but I, I, I was surprised too. It's actually pretty serious. They showed um, some pretty funny clips on there. So no, no, yeah. it, it it does have funny moments in every single episode, but it but is it's more also of a serious show. It's it's pretty fucking serious. Gotcha. Um, but there's one moment in it where Paul Rudd is going. I think both Paul Rudds are going back to the um massage parlor to like be like, hey, there's two of us now. What the fuck? I want my money back. <laughs> and also, how do we solve this? And so they pull up to the massage parlor, and right as they're pulling up. Tom Brady's walking out of the massage parlor and and Paul Rudd looks at him and goes Tom Brady and he's like first time and he was like uh yeah you and he goes nah been here six times and then gets in his car and drives away and that's clearly a reference to the fact that Tom Brady has won six Super Bowls right and the fact that the Patriots have a very good relationship with massage parlors. And so th there's currently a controversy where Tom Brady is upset because people are saying, wow, another Patriot going to a massage parlor to get tugged off. And he's like, that's not what it was. So it was I, stop. It. I, I have to imagine that they filmed this before all of that controversy happened. And this just worked out masterfully. So I'm looking at the ESPN top headlines. And one of them is Tom Brady is upset that Netflix cameo is viewed as an attack on Patriots on a Robert Kraft. <laughs> and that shit just tickles me pink. Oh, that's fucking amazing. I really wish that they had like Rob Kraft there, like in the scene with Brady, and they just kind of like edited him out. Edited edited him out. 
Yeah, uh, Robert Kraft is like tucking his shirt back in his pants, like <laughs> redoing his belt. Was it a southeast Asian? Tom Brady wipes his chin. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> Jesus fuck! Uh, it is a really good show, though. I do recommend it. I had yeah, a lot I'll of fun give watching it. it. I'll go to watch. You should. Um, okay. Anything else before we close it out? Um, I mean, as we're on the topic of shows, Letterkenny season seven came out, and it's phenomenal. Oh, uh, we have different opinions on that. Then you didn't like season seven. I actively disliked season seven. Oh, I love season seven. It was honestly one of my favorites. Oh no. This well, might be the end, this might be at the end of this podcast, gentlemen. Oh no! Yeah, we'll have to save it for another time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, all right. Um, if you want to hit us up on Twitter, you can do so at Juicing Pod. If you want to uh, hit us up via email, you can do so at Juicing the Numbers at gmail.com. And if you want to find the show notes for this episode and all previous episodes, you can do so at juicingthenumbers.wixsite.com slash website or juicingthenumbers.com. And until Thursday, y'all have a good one. Bye.